0: This is Ed Stetzer Live, and so glad to be with you this Saturday and every Saturday at this time. It's good to be back here at my studio at Mariner's Church in uh, in Southern California. Last week, of course, we were on the road in Orlando, and we like to do this on the road from time to time. Our team does a great job helping it all to happen as well. Bob Moreau, who's our engineer, Karen Hendren, my producer, and so we're thankful for them as well. Well, today we're going to talk about a topic that um, is actually a National Geographic documentary. That's maybe not a phrase you normally hear when you come onto Ed Stetzer Live. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, well what happened and why we're talking about it. So it was a few a uh, few years ago. Uh, someone by a missionary by the name of John Chow uh, and made global headlines. This was in 2018. He made global headlines in. You may remember somewhat of the story is that, um, I mean, it was on the front page of every newspaper, uh, like I could say every, but every newspaper I saw in, in the whole world. And so, John Chow was, um, uh, was a, trained as a missionary, sort of went through missionary prep and more. Um, and in doing so, um, he actually made news because of how he died. And so I want to kind of talk through what that looks like, and and ultimately what was going on. So, so John Chow was um, he was with a group called All Nations, and uh, Mary Ho happens to be the leader of that. I've talked to her a little bit about this story and the situation, and he went to a some remote islands in the Indian Ocean and there he and, and actually this is an area that the Indian government had said that people should not go it was a uh, it was a protected area and there's an isolated tribe there that that uh, didn't want to be contacted by by outsiders and there's a history there's from that that the, the the National Geographic special tells a little bit and and so then he and we won't I, I won't tell all the because I want to bring my guests in to do that But, um, but he, he eventually gets to the island and he's killed in the island and all kinds of questions are surfaced. Like, you know, what, what, what germs could somebody bring to a uncontacted, uncontacted people? We know, uh, just the decimation of the native American, American Indians, um, when, you know, when they weren't, they didn't have immunity to certain diseases. And first, contacted people from. We're contacted by people in Europe. So, that, what about that? And, and what about you know? They don't want to be contacted. And why should somebody go try to tell them the gospel that's there? Did he prepare well for that task? And, and what was what was going on in his head? Is there a there's a line between faith and madness? And so, that theme is uh, that that phrase I said at the end is a big part of what the uh, what the special is about. So, we're going to talk about that today from somebody who has a unique connection to all of these things. So Sam George is the director of the Global Diaspora Institute at Wheaton College. And you may recognize the name Wheaton College. He was at Billy Graham Center there, and I had the privilege of serving there with him until, I guess, about, well, about six months ago when I left. So uh, I had the privilege of bringing Sam onto the team. Uh, He's written several articles, appearing in lots of places, Christianity Today and elsewhere. He's the co-editor of Pandemic, Migration, and Mission. And a three book series on Asians around the world called Asian Diaspora Christianity. Diaspora, by the way, just simply uh, the idea that people are dispersing, they're spreading around the world. And this is one of the great realities of our day. Uh, and so Sam and I have known each other for a few years. And so, well, Sam, let me just say first, thanks for coming on the program.
1: Oh, thank you, Ed. Uh, great to be here. I appreciate your program and the many guests that you feature every week.
0: Oh, you're very kind. You know, it's this, this is an interesting topic because it, in some ways, it's faded from people's view or mine until this documentary came back. But mm-hmm. one fun fact so I'm a, I'm a missiologist. My PhD is in missiology. And so I write occasionally, you know, articles on that. I write a lot more on kind of cultural issues. But, but the, uh, the, the most read article I ever wrote about missiology was actually about John Chow John Chow and it mm. wasn't in a missiological publication. It was in the Washington Post. Um goes early on in the in the controversy, everyone was just, you know, saying this is terrible. This is terrible. Every newspaper was saying this is terrible. And I and I say, and they say, you know, this guy wasn't prepared. He was gonna get everyone sick. And then it kinda came out that, you know, he'd actually He'd actually gone through a very strict regimen related to uh, distancing himself from any potential infectious diseases that he could spread. You know, he he isolated himself. He did these inoculations and more. And then we found out he trained as an EMT for emergency medicine. We then we found that he he trained for some language. This was a, the the people we're going to talk about are a language isolate. So so, but he had trained and may, maybe you know and and how much that training works people can debate. But he had trained in linguistics. Um, and so all these things, so I wrote, I, I kind of poked my head. I was the first person I think who poked the head, his head up. And I wrote this article in the Washington post. Now I, you know, authors don't choose the titles of their articles, but I had input in it. And here's what, here's what the article was slain missionary, John Chow prepared more than we thought. Cause I, I, by this point, you know, all people were starting to maybe recognize that, but everyone was just still mad. And then I, my subtitle was, but our missionary, the rest of the title was, but our missionaries still fools. And I think it's interesting, um, and I want to talk about that some a little bit later on, because uh, and I, I sort of end with that passage of scripture that talks about how we're fools for Christ, and and to the world what we do may seem foolish, but you know we want to spread the good news of the gospel. And I also sort of nuance some of the, th- the questions and that were there as more. Okay, so all that being said. First, I want you to come into the conversation. I want you to tell us a little bit about the people and tell any parts of the story that I've left out. So let's start with that. First, with the people, uh, you know, give give us kind of the geography, give us some of the cultural background, and then we'll talk about some of the things that I might have left out in the conversation.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Definitely, this uh, documentary film has uh, stirred the nest, so to say, the missions thinking. uh, Missionary schools and seminaries are screening the film and talking about uh, the, the documentary and also what is the role of the American church and how do we do missions, uh, what is happening in these places and all of that. Um, so I kind of have a, a, a two-sided view, not from the North America, but also uh, from the Andaman side. Uh, I was born in the Andaman Islands, um, Andaman and Nicobar Islands, And uh, my parents are from the southwestern state of India in Kerala. And uh, so soon after India's independence, there were no jobs in Kerala. And uh, my dad, looking for gainful employment, landed in the nearest city of Chennai. And from there, he sailed across uh, to the islands and found a job and uh, lived there some 45 years, uh, climbing up the administrative cadre. And he was one of the retired as a very senior administrative officer of the government of India. And so Andamans is like the Hawaii of India. It is a big tourist destination. Um, It has beautiful beaches, underwater corals, tropical weather, Indo-Chinese, very cosmopolitan in in its outlook, has attracted tourists from all over the world. And it is also a military base of Indian Navy, Air Force, and Army, and Coast Guard uh, because of its strategic location. Uh, During the British colonial era, it was a penal colony, like the Alcatraz here in California, and uh, where many Indian freedom fighters were placed in the famous jail on the island. And uh, so from this remote and uh, island surrounding shark-infested water, there was no way to escape. And Andaman, by the way, it's also mentioned in uh, the great uh, Venetian uh, traveler Marco Polo, or in the Talmai in the 4th, fourth, 5th century, writing. So Andamans has been in the history, uh, but it is a very remote place. It's uh, called the mini-India, from after it became independent, it became part of India, it's a union territory, and uh, people from all over India had come and settled in the islands. So the islands is some 500-some islands. Um, It is in the southeast corner of India, in the Indian Ocean and the Bay of Bengal. And uh, it's a collection of islands, uh, like an archipelago. And uh, there are, uh, uh, out of the 500, uh, most of them are uninhabited. Nobody lives there. And uh, there are probably some 50 to 60 islands where predominantly uh, people uh, have made their home. And uh, among them uh, are, there are six tribal or indigenous groups of people. And uh, one of them happened to be the the Sentinelese uh, who uh, make their home uh, on this island called North Sentinel Island. And it's in the western, uh, central western part of the islands. And uh, the other groups are uh, probably uh, in different levels of their development and exposure to modernity, uh, like Nicobaris are uh, very advanced. You'll find doctors, lawyers, very educated, thriving community. Uh, probably the first one that embraced Christianity, and some 90% of them are Christians now. And uh, mm-hmm. but there are other groups like Andamanis, uh, 90% of them have died uh, because of their exposure to the West and modernity. And uh, but there are Ongis and Jarwas and Chompins, uh, those were the other uh, indigenous groups. And uh, in while I was growing up, I had personal uh, exposure to some of these groups, and uh, I met Jarwas and Ongis and Nicobaris. And so I kind of known that part of the world, and also during when this story came. Um, um, was covered in the media here. I reached out to several friends who are pastors, missionaries on the islands and in India, trying to hear their perspective. So I come at the story from both the Andaman Indian end and also an American mission's end. And so that's why I kind of found this story uh, fascinating at the same time, um, um, stimulating, and also making American evangelical Uh, missological engagement, and what does it mean? Uh, How do we do missions? And there are many questions, many things that have surfaced uh, in the process of this uh, documentary film. Okay, mind you that this is a very secular journalistic production, um, but I think nevertheless, God is using that uh, to to talk about missions and evangelism uh, through the popular culture. So I found this is very, very engaging and stimulating. And uh, many things, many, many lessons uh, to understand missions and uh, missionary work uh, in the 21st century.
0: Good, good, good. Okay, good. We're going to continue our conversation with Sam George in just a moment. We're going to talk about missions. We're going to talk about missions among uncontacted and unreached peoples. uh, Why do Christians do that? Is it ethical? Is it appropriate? And more. We're going to take your calls at 877-548-548. Three six seven five. Against Sam George is our guest, global diaspora network at the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. Our, our number eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer here. I'm the Dean of the Tablet School of Theology at Biola University, and uh, come here every week as your host at Ed Stetzer Live. We have guests like our guest today, Sam George, helping us to think uh, deeply, more deeply about key issues of our time. And one of the issues of our time is, you know, wh- where does Christianity fit in engaging people who are um, unreached, unengaged peoples um, who have never heard the gospel, but also may have never been, have never encountered. Uh, what we might say, Western culture. John Chow was was, a, was an American. Um, my, I mean, but there are other, now there are actually people from other nations who are also engaging in global missions as well, or they've been for 2,000 years. Um, I, I wrote in this article in the Washington Post, something that I think is, is going to be a part of our conversation today, is the title, of course, was, is he, you know, are we still fools? So, you know, are missionaries fools? And lots of, you know, we'll put this article in the show notes as well. And, you know, there's lots of things to debate. Missionaries have made a lot of mistakes over 2,000 years of history, right? We, we know that, and, and we can go through some of those for that matter. I've written on those, and Sam's written on those. But here's what I wrote at the end of the article. I grieve for John Chow and his family. Remember, he had just been killed there at the, uh, at the island. He made his choices because he loved the North Sentinelese. You might see that as a waste, You might point out his mistakes, even after learning he had worked hard to prepare for his mission. But as I write this, less than 100 feet away is a letter Jim Elliott wrote. I was writing this in my office at the Billy Graham Center, where Sam has an office right now. And I said, as a Wheaton College graduate, Jim Elliott has a special place here. As Elliott wrote, uh, and Chow experienced, quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, unquote. And here at Jim Elliott's alma mater, we still believe in trained missionaries. And I say that right now. You know, we have at the, at Biola University, we're merging the Talbot School of Theology and the Cook School of Intercultural Studies so we can uh, train more and better missionaries, right? And I wrote, but we, pre, we, we pray our students will engage in their culture and others well and in appropriate ways with care for the health and well-being of all and with others in partnership. But if that makes us fools, is how we end the article, but if that makes us fools, well, we will be fools for Christ. And I quoted First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. And that's in the Washington Post. And so needless to say, not everyone was excited about that article. matter of fact, I think the biggest objection was around when I said he loved the North Sentinelese uh, because he'd never met them. And I said, no, I guess God gave a burden for him. But hundreds of hundreds of comments calling me an idiot and a fool and just joining in that. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, Sam, to the world... Yeah. All this stuff. I mean, here's a young man who, and yeah. this is, you know, the, the the madness theme in the documentary is pretty evident. He's a young man who who ended his life, wasted his life to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting, to see, if you go back to Jim Elliott, you know, when Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and others were killed on that beach in Ecuador, um, it was a very different response, very different response. Back mm. then, I mean, it made the cover of Life magazine. It led to... Like a whole bunch of people, like even the Wheaton College graduating class, all of a sudden like dozens and dozens of people went into global missions. So how how the world has changed when Jim Elliott dies on the beach and others die on the beach. We just know Jim Elliott the best. But when when Jim others and others in that team die on the beach, um, it's global news and compels people to global missions. When John Chow dies mm-hmm. on the beach... Uh, it actually, he's the villain uh, around mm. the world. So talk to us about mm. why you yeah. think people are thinking differently about missions and how should we think about John Chow's mission efforts? Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, you know, live with you, I, you know, my, you know, my sincere condolences to John Allen Chow's family, friends, classmates, and those who have known and those who supported his mission and all those who are grieving his tragic death. You know, my office just moved to the third floor now. Right across oh. the archives and, and yeah. uh, uh, in the archives is, you know, uh, Jim Elliott's uh, letter. And uh, that has uh, fascinated. There's a truth in it. And I think uh, that is what the secular media don't get it. Uh, the truth is that no sacrifice ever done in the name of Christ goes waste in God's economy. And uh, God is able to, we follow a crucified Savior. Uh, suffering and sacrifice is part of the story of Christianity. And uh, that is something that does not resonate uh, in a a very Western secular uh, notion. I mean, there are many mistakes he has made, and we can talk about that as we go. But I think we need to recognize uh, missionary calling, uh, you know, begins with sacrifice. And uh, Mm. John Allen's probably made news and is being called as madness and And all of that. But I think, you know, from since the days of Jim Elliott to uh, John Chow, uh, there has been significant shift uh, in the global landscape of mission. And I think that is something that we need to take note. Uh, Sure, uh, he has made several mistakes. And I think that needs to be corrected as well as we train uh, the missionaries. Uh, But I would go back to the Christianity in India and uh, go back to Apostle Thomas. Uh, one of the disciples of jesus christ okay we got we got to hold there because
0: because let me just say sam because because you know a lot of americans listening you know we're on 250 outlets across the country you're about to talk about thomas and for a whole lot of people it's not part of the history we heard in church we heard paul went to europe but somebody uh and it was actually at time people debated was it legendary and now increasingly people say it's true so talk to us a little bit about that and tell us about thomas
1: yeah, so, you know, my parentage comes from the southwestern southern part of India, uh, where Thomas, Apostle Thomas, one of the disciples, uh, last one to see the risen Christ and put his finger in the wound and, and uh, was, uh, you know, called him, my Lord and my Savior. And it is believed that he was sent to the furthest settlement of the Jewish people. And uh, uh, a century before the coming of Christ, there were Jewish settlements in the Malabar coast, in southwestern part of India, and he lands up. So Thomas was sent and commissioned and uh, arrives in uh, in the Malabar coast in AD 52, and uh, first century. And so Christianity has been uh, in, um, uh, Christians have been living and active, uh, worshiping and uh, involved in missions uh, all these 2000 years. I remember when I came to America first, you know, they were wondering, how, how can I be Christian? And uh, wasn't, you know, I mean, did you fall for some American stunt? They were criticizing and mocking at how can I have an English name or and uh, did your colonial masters convert you? And, and so I said, no, we, uh, we were Christians. Our forefathers were Christians even before America was discovered, uh, before uh, Europe become Christian. And uh, so that is a difficult notion for us to understand. And of course, not in the Andaman Islands, but southern part of India in Tamil Nadu. And then uh, he died in eighty fifty two in the city of Chennai. And I studied in the city of Chennai, not far from the uh, little mount, uh, little mountain uh, top where Thomas was speared and killed. And wow. it's called St. Thomas in Mount. In 50,
0: 52 AD, 52 AD. AD. So yes. that's that's 52 AD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Right, yeah. So, you know, okay. So, 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 so this you know, is, you, doing, now we, Yeah. We yeah. We call those folks Thomistic sometimes, or or Martoma, uh, Martoma uh-huh. uh, Christians. So, um, when you when you think in terms of the Christian faith going back two thousand years, how does that um, and, and the missionary nature of it? How does that sort of impact today? I mean, is that something we should be overdoing now, or is it something we yeah. should still be doing? Should we still be sending people to uncontacted people?
1: Yeah. So, you know, so Thomas came, you know, Thomas came because of the Missionary Commission and he came and he laid down his life. And because of that, you know, we are the benefactors of his sacrifice and flourishing education, healthcare, and the community has flourished over the centuries. And so we always need to recognize uh, missionary community, faith communities and the church exists today because of the sacrifice of many who have gone before us generations and centuries before us. And so we need to anchor and understand uh, Christian work involves sacrifice and uh, even uh, death. And so that is the narrative of mission. Uh, But I think there is also this popular uh, triumphalistic, conquering, militaristic language that have invaded into the mission circles. I think that's something that we need to be careful about and uh, you know this divide and conquer mentality um, you know the outmost frontiers of the people and that we can plant my flag and uh, you know my denomination have a presence there now when we have established a church we have reached everyone on earth and so hasten the return of christ that kind of mentality uh that comes uh, uh yeah sure it was uh, it is probably the most remotest uh, people group uh, uh, or you know peoples on the face of the earth, and uh, so yeah, that, I that often was say that this... was
0: part of what, yeah, part of what he wanted to do was he really wanted to go to, and I think he used mm-hmm. the phrase Satan's last stronghold, and the issue wasn't that you know these people themselves were were somehow you know worse and thus the most you know bad and needed to go to the worst people, but it was like mm-hmm. this is a place where the gospel had been um, un. Engage now. There has been some past engagement with the North Sentinelese, but it was really bad. I mean, if you actually Google this, you can learn some about the kind of the uh, pretty terrible things that that uh, the English had done in their you know century earlier. Um, but so for him, he really wanted to uh, go to a place where the gospel had been unheard and to engage people who are unreached. Now that's not something. I mean, what it might surprise people to know that uh, most missionaries. Actually, don't go to places like that. Most missionaries, Hmm. you know, they they might be, they might be, you know, in in places that need the gospel. Don't misunderstand, but they they might have indigenous Christian churches. They might have, uh, they might have a a, a people group next door that's a Christian that can engage. But then there's um, there's depending on how you count, there are what are called unengaged, unreached people groups, and so the North Santanalees were certainly. Among them, and there there are others. There are others, and depending on how, who's counting and how they count, there's um, there's actually um, there's actually a lot. Yeah. I mean, thousands. So mm-hmm. so so for him, he was very driven by that. And I will tell you, I love like the International Mission Board. You know, I I, I make a commitment each year uh, to at Christmas time to give to the International Mission Board through something called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering uh, for international missions because they prioritize unengaged, unreached peoples. So I, I mean- guess the question is. Um, should we prioritize unengaged, unreached peoples? And what does that look like?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, North Sentinel is probably the only Stone Age people that are surviving. Uh, so you're talking yeah. about Paleolithic peoples of the world today. And it's probably the only, you know, group of people. And there are probably, you know, nobody really knows how large is the population. The closest estimation is somewhere between 50 and 200 people. And uh, mm-hmm. they live some, you know, an hour away from the mainland, no contact whatsoever from anyone. And, yeah, by uh, law, so I mean that's left- like
0: the Indian, yeah. the the Indian government doesn't let people go. Like tourists aren't allowed to go there. There was yeah. one ship that got that that got a, you know, had a problem and got washed up there, and and that led to a lot of, you know, a lot of drama. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so very much. Uh, and when you say Stone Age, we're talking about people who, because of their lack of engagement with. The rest of the world, they they, they live like people did, uh, you know, before technology and before, you yeah. know, all, all those other things. So, yeah, keep yeah. going.
1: I mean, to understand that even we are landed on moon and, you know, gone sending Mish uh, people to Mars and uh, but such a group still exists who just discovered fire or something like that. It is just very difficult for modern, you know, kind of uh, humankind to you know wrap their mind around. Uh, but they're very hostile to the world outside. Uh, Every previous contact has uh, cost them dearly. Uh, Government of India has closely guarding. Um, In fact, my personal connection was through my dad. Uh, My dad, uh, during his, he had an additional responsibility during uh, his tenure as a senior administrator. Uh, For a few years, uh, he had a Department of Tribal Affairs of the island, and uh, he was involved in many of these tribal uh, programs. And you know, not as a missionary but from the government perspective and helping them. So during that, the Anthropological Society of India, which is the largest anthropology body, and he was involved in their expedition to engage these people. So I kind of struck a chord with me uh, because what my dad was doing and what is happening with missionaries through missions today.
0: Okay, let's hold on just a second. We're gonna continue our conversation. Our call, our number for you to call, 877 548 3675. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. Hey, we're back. It's Dessert Live. We're continuing our conversation with Sam George. We've actually been talking about, uh, well, missions in a sense, particularly missions to unengaged and unreached people groups. We're tying this into a new documentary from National Geographic. That looked at the uh, life of John Chow, particularly. I mean, their their subtitle is uh, "The Line Between Madness and Grace." It was interesting. We had um, I trying to remember where we were. I was at Missio Nexus, I think, which is a gathering. Uh, that's what it was. It was a gathering of all the mission leaders in Orlando. Uh, I think once a year. And so we actually, uh, I, I spoke to the meeting, the gathering. I guess there were about a thousand mission leaders from all the different mission agencies. And after. After or before I spoke on the evening, the Mary Ho was there from All Nations, and she shared a little bit about the documentary coming up. And it, they participated in the documentary. They answered questions, and you you will find uh, you know the documentary is clearly uh, it's not created by people of faith, but it doesn't um, it doesn't give simplistic you know like missionaries are bad or missionaries are good for that matter. And so it, it might be we'll put it'll be linked in the show notes, so it, it might be worth taking a look. And seeing uh, what the documentary was about, but I also was just thrilled to have on Sam George, who's got obviously uh, cultural, uh, geographic connections both to the area, but also loves uh, missions and sharing the gospel. Sam's already mentioned that John Chow, by our observation, would probably have made some mistakes, and uh, and and I. But I think the biggest thing for a lot of people, I mean, in the world today, they just think it's a mistake in general. Trying to convince anybody to change their faith it 's not just because it 's an uncontacted tribe, though certainly that played into it um, and and, w- and certainly there were a whole new set of factors that would indeed uh, cause people to object to this you know I, I mentioned some of the health issues and around health questions and more and I really encourage you you know we don 't have time to unpack all of those things if you 're interested, you can lean in a little more but you know what is the ethics of missionary work and you know, how should we engage it in a more? Well, anyway, our phone number is eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. 548 3675 Maybe you've got a question for Sam. Maybe you've got kind of a thought about how global missions should be prioritized and, and what it means to prioritize unengaged and unreached people groups. Um, we we talk about uh, this often in the missions field, things like the 1040 window where where it's a, a you know kind of a latitude where between ten and forty where we have the most people who are mostly unreached and more and how do we prioritize that? Again, our number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. But let's talk specifically about the movie The Mission. Sam, you watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story of John Allen Chow uh, going to the uh, to the islands there, engaging the North Sentinelese. Uh, what'd you make of it?
1: Um, you know, I think you know. One, it was uh, you know uh, moving because of my personal connection to the Andaman Islands and how the movie uh, came about, and my dad's connection with the tribal affairs and the Andaman Islands. But it also you know probed me many questions about um, you know how mission has to be done and what is there. What I really appreciated uh, uh, from the movie and the account, what you wrote uh, in Washington Post and. Also, uh, you know, New York Times, there was an article many other medias had covered. Uh, Film portrayed uh, uh, kind of that John Charles uh, passion, a sense of calling, his pioneering spirit, the radicality of the Christian discipleship. Uh, We need to reclaim the radicality of the gospel and the long years of preparation, his willingness to sacrifice and even die. Uh, They are remarkable and commendable. And I think that is something that we need to uphold. But it also exposed many harsh realities. Is defying parental authority, is questionable mission and training, uh, zeal without knowledge, uh, breaking national laws, uh, unwillingness to learn and work with the locals, and not working with Indian Christians or mission agencies. And I think you know here is this parachute uh, model of a Navy SEAL special operation Uh, kind of landing in a zone and sharing the gospel and uh, knowing that I'm going to conquer the land and then, you know, be extracted out of this. uh, This kind of a a short-term or a mini special operation kind of thinking and missions, uh, you know, what does it mean for us to, like, William Carey mentality? And, you know, you take a one-way ticket, go to the place and willing to live there for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, just, just so people know uh, William so this, Carey was a famous missionary who kind of just said, I'm going there, I'm taking my coffin with me, and more.
1: So Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, you know, the 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 compression of the time frame, a lifetime commitment to a people or a group or a, a place, uh, you know, to making it to a one-week vacation, short-term missions. And now we are picking into special operation, Navy SEAL kind of preparation. And I think we need to go back. And I think this also proded me to think about the missionary. Uh, history in the Andaman Islands, and it was a uh, Jesuits who first came in the 17th century, and uh, then subsequently the Moravians uh, from the Tankuba mission, and 24 of them laid their lives in the Andaman Islands, hmm. and uh, some on their way back when they were sick, uh, because it's a it's a, it's a you know very remote place, um, climate is extreme, uh, people are you know believed to be cannibals back then in the, they're talking about you know 18th century. And the Roman Catholics came uh, from from Rangoon in Burma, uh, because Andaman Islands is very close to Myanmar, which was earlier Mm. called Burma. Uh, Way back in 1807, and then the Danish came uh, from the colony and established 1830 onwards. All of them failed. All of them failed. Many, many sacrifices, many, many lives were laid down. And uh, then the most uh, productive missionary engagement was the Church Missionary Society of the Anglicans. And again, a a Tamil missionary by the name of Solomon lands up on the island of Nicobar in 1896. And he was sent by the Diocese of Rangoon in in Myanmar. And uh, now, you know, many, many years, entire life, he and his wife lived among the people. and They raised one of the indigenous uh, gentlemen to be, uh, he's become a bishop and he died a few years ago. And uh, so there was another uh, bishop, a friend of my dad. He was an Anglican bishop, uh, lifetime of service uh, in that island in Nicobar, and so we can contrast. So these are all people
0: who who've got all the decades that go prior, or even centuries prior, of a of approach that had some lasting fruit.
1: Yes, yes. Okay. And uh, yeah. but you know, but it was it was built upon. You know, uh, the Anglican work was built upon the Moravian sacrifice, uh, Jesuits who have suffered much and sacrificed much, and the Roman Catholic. Uh, uh, you know, uh, work in Andaman Island. So many have paid. We need to look at a multi-generational impact for the kingdom uh, rather than a very short-term thinking uh, that pervades in uh, mission thinking. Because I think it sometimes comes from our funding model and return on investment. I have put $1,000. Okay, how many souls have you saved? Can you give a report by the end of the quarter? Uh, So this kind of mentality of managerial missiology uh, that has kind of corrupted... You just you, you
0: throw away, you throw terms around that are very good terms, but managerial missiology is a term I, that basically means that you kind of look at the numbers and say, if I can get more people here, let's send more people here. And it sometimes forgets yeah. that if you're reaching a truly unengaged unreached people group, you might have to go live there for decades, learn the language, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. This is what yeah, happens yeah. when missiologists talk. Sam and I have a lot of language that we can use with each other, but we also got to explain it to everybody else. Okay, so yeah. so then I so there is a value in this idea that people would uh, kind of put the focus of their lives. Uh, maybe it might be, you know, William Carey's, I'm going to bring my coffin with me, I'm going to stay there the rest of my life, uh, in the case of John Chow, Lowing Down's life. But you're also kind of speaking up the value of, of the slow, faithful engagement of gospel workers over yeah. decades, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the Western media's, you know, kind of uh, preoccupation uh, you know, even this last Christmas season, uh, several Indian missionaries were killed. Uh, there is a growing persecution against Christians in India. Uh, hundreds yeah. and thousands of them have been killed. Uh, New York Times is not going to do a cover story, or and an, an, an National Geography is not going to do a documentary on them. Uh, but somehow it looks like an American sacrifices are more important than many other sacrifices Mm -hmm. that hundreds of missionaries are making in the Middle East, in Asia, and Africa, and other places. Uh, So there is this kind of tension. And, uh, you know, uh, what does it mean? Uh, Unlike William Carey or Apostle Thomas' era, now when we are living in an era where there is Christians everywhere in the world, no matter where you go, God is already at work and God's people are already there. And what does it mean for me to work with Other people and through other people for long periods of time. I think that way of thinking about mission is important in the 21st century context.
0: Excellent, excellent. Okay, good. We're going to take some phone calls when we come back. We got some folks lined up on the line already. We're going to go to going to go to Pearl, going to go to Bob, and others. Want you to be ready with your questions, but I want you to keep them brief because we have one segment left. So keep that in mind. Keep them brief. Keep them brief. And also. Sam, we've got to keep our answers brief as well. We want to get in a few calls as well. 877-548-3675 if you want to be in the conversation. 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back, um, Ed Stetzer, live, and so glad to have a conversation, important conversation as well, because we're talking about the idea of mission and missions, and we're particularly focusing in on the uh, the work of John Chow and the, the the film that's come out, the documentary that's come out called "The Mission" and the missions available. Uh, on uh, National Geographic. It's actually available now on YouTube as well. People can get it there for free. I will give a little parental warning. It, it, uh, it, and it, Well, it says at the beginning. You can see that at the beginning. Uh, and so, But I, I want to continue our conversation by taking some calls as well. Uh, we're going to go first to Bob in Chicago. Bob, you're live on the air with your question and your comment. Just jump right in, and of course, let me encourage you to be brief with it, but jump right in.
2: Yes, uh, question. How much
1: of God's good news must be Heard uh, by people speaking other
2: languages uh, before uh, they become uh, that God's impression has been let, made. Sh- should we mm-hmm. abandon them at some point in time, or be well, let's, persistent? let's jump? Let's jump
0: in. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Good, go Bob. Be persistent. Okay, great. Um, let, let's jump in and have Sam do because, particularly too, there's this verse that people often cite, Matthew twenty-four, fourteen the gospel mm. of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony of all nations, and then the end will come. So, I mean, what is the relationship to our proclamation of the gospel to all people? Should we keep doing that? I mean, help us think through Bob's question.
1: Mm. I mean, I would say, you know, we can't give a figure or a number, but I think what does it mean to uh, sustained engagement and ongoing Christian witness uh, in, uh, in every part of the world? And uh, so I would say that sometimes there are local Christians in Andaman Islands. There are some 500 Indian, you know, uh, local indigenous Andamanese churches there of various denominations. So what does it mean for us to work with them that there is a sustained engagement with any particular group of people and uh, there is local believers who uh, who can learn the language, work with the people, be a part of the community, be part of the local church? And I think we need to take a long-term view and uh, with the help of locals and come and work under their leadership along with them and for them to catch a vision. And uh, rather than I am here, I am the Messiah, I am here to save you, kind of the superhero, um, you know, kind of mentality, Robinson Crusoe kind of thinking about um, the celebrity culture that exists sometimes in the missionary uh, community. And uh, I am here to rescue and save. We have a Messiah. He's enough. And he has been crucified on, shed his blood for the, uh, and he's a universal savior, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. And so he has done his work and we need to be a good witness of him. And I think what does it mean for us to go to kill people and work with other people? Because our right. together witness is more powerful uh, than my individual witness anywhere. And uh, now that are Christians. To, yeah.
0: yeah, Sam. Let's try to squeeze in a few more calls as well. So let me let me jump yes. into Pearl. Pearl, you are live on the air with your question, your comment. Go right ahead.
2: Yes, my parents were missionaries in Bolivia amongst the Ayate Indians, and they killed five missionaries uh, in the 1940s uh, mm-hmm. who are trying to make a friendly contact with them. But another group uh, in Paraguay was also part of the Ayate tribe with the Moros. And uh, after they had made a friendly contact with them, these, the some of the church leaders became very concerned about another group who had never heard the gospel. So they sent them, uh, sent some of the people from there to reach uh, this group, and they were killed. The the uh, mortal Christians were killed by the. by the, this other group, who were still savage in the wandering in the jungle, and the Paraguayan government became very concerned about it, and they said, you know, that, the, that they were foolish to send these people. But the people had gone; the church leaders had gone on their own to reach these, this group that had not been reached. And mm-hmm. their comment was the ch- church leaders who were left, they said if they think it's so much fun to live in the jungles and have no health care, have no you know, way of supporting themselves other than stealing from farmers and that, then, they, then these anthropologists should go in the jungle themselves and live there. They, they said that it was worth their lives to try and go and reach these people and share the gospel
0: mm-hmm. with them. Oh, Pearl, it's good. Good, per- Pearl's story, I think, is, is speaks to really millions of missionaries mm-hmm. over two thousand years. It's worth their lives to go share the gospel. Mm-hmm with others. So Sam, I want you to comment on that. We're, we're a little short on yeah, time too, will, but yeah, but, we, I, but mean, I want you to, is, but but specifically, yeah. well, let me throw a more thing in here, Sam, as well, because part I want you to comment on is like, okay, so it's not just that people need the good news of the gospel, but talk to us too about why it matters that we go to people who are in very difficult places and situations that Pearl talked about.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, you know, the, the you know, there is the, you know, not everybody, there's a lot of Christians who have gone to the, f- Frontiers, the edges of the world, um, begins with my neighbor, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. Uh, There is a mission dimension of ends of the earth. And every person, uh, every people, every nation, every community. um, The gospel is for them as well. Um, It was not just for my people and you know my church and my community. Um, For us to disciple and to be a follower of Jesus requires that I take that and share with others. And that is the essential part of being a disciple of Jesus. And I think it's important that there would be some among us who will go to the ends of the earth. And many, many sacrifices. Not every uh, every sacrifice is going to feature on New York Times and Washington Post. And uh, but I think we need to understand missionary calling and the sacrificial nature of mission work uh, bears fruit over long periods of time. And uh, yeah. there is no okay, doubt. Okay, let me in God's let economy, me try to squeeze.
0: Yeah. yeah. Let me try to squeeze one more question in, Sam. It's from Joel. Joel, you got to go quick, but you're live on the air.
1: Okay. Uh, God bless you. Thanks so much. Wonderful, wonderful discussion today. Uh, I uh, would love to uh, have uh, Sam George and uh, you speak in a little bit of the Jesus model. How can we more humbly come? I love John 4. John 4. I've been in missions myself 37 years. And uh, this uh, model of Jesus, you know, he comes and he sits and he's thirsty and and he's in this very humble posture and he asks for a cup of water so in the in the movie the uh, mission here and how we truly might get to the central how do we how do we have a humble posture and arrive and engage in this uh, culture
0: good deal joel thank you so much for your call okay yeah. we've got about a minute and a half for you to answer sam two minutes yeah. at the most I mean, That's a story
1: comment. i would yeah i would say that it's a story from andaman islands itself uh, it is the uh, story of a gentleman by the name of Solomon and Shiniwasan who worked among Nicobari's people entire life. And he become a bishop and is buried there on the island. And uh, over, you know, 60 years of, uh, you know, his life, graduate seminary, he was ordained as a pastor and he wanted to go to the ends of the earth from Calcutta. He could have had a wonderful congregation in the city of Calcutta. Uh, but he chose to go to the remotest parts back then. This is almost 100 years ago. And uh, he laid down his life. Today, the 90% of the tribes are Christian and the community is thriving. And so I think this is the William Carey, uh, Bishop Srinivasan's model. And uh, Bishop Srinivasan was a friend of my dad. He's been in my home. So I would say that sometimes our missionary training in our schools, in our missionary approaches, we need to train this long-term team approach with the indigenous, learning the language and culture over a long period of time, sustainable, impactful for the kingdom rather than the Navy SEAL operation come here, I am here, shoot off the hips, I'm going to mission accomplish kind of mentality.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the uh, the passion that you have for global missions as well. And Sam particularly works in, in Diaspora. That's where people are on the move. That's going to be um, immigrants. That's going to be refugees. That's going to be, uh, well, just people, people migrating from one place, immigrating from one place. Uh, so we're so thankful for Sam. Thank you for taking the time for being with us here on Ed Stetzer Live. Again, we've linked to uh, the program, Uh, to to the show as well. If you want to watch it, uh, actually, there's a couple of things too. We'll also link to a really helpful, uh, the Gospel Coalition did a helpful kind of look at the film as well. We'll add that there to the show notes as well. So hopefully at the end of the day, you'll find it helpful and maybe even a conversation about your church because I'll tell you right now, there's not a whole lot of people having the passion of global missions and we need many more to have that passion. So I invite you to consider this as well. To today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com and you can actually download this as a podcast each and every week. Uh, If you want to find us on social media, you can go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at edstetzerlive. Uh, But most of all, we just want to encourage you to join Jesus on mission. For some, that's going to be cross-cultural mission, and I hope even for some of you, it'll involve cross-cultural mission around the world as well. Maybe even to unengaged Unreach people groups. I'll be going to Chiang Mai next year to help talk with some leaders there about how we might send more people, missionaries, uh, our students and graduates and others to the global need that's there. Again, remember Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio and Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening to Ed Stetzer Live.